Open Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to the public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and with me is the woman who will never leave you up in the air. It's Lydia. Oh, I thought I was going to be one of those blondes that, you know, makes your neck swivel on its head or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> the kind of blonde that I would, you know, bite their neck. Yeah, yeah. But that only happened once. Biting me in the neck. <laughs> uh, how are you, Lydia? Welcome. Oh, well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here, as always. Excellent. Well, before we go any further, I want to first thank everyone else for listening to this month's episode. Likely already know this, but Orphan Entertainment is available wherever you can get your podcasts. And wherever you listen, if you have the option to do so, please rate and review the show. It really does help get the show out to more people. And another great way to help is just by sharing the episode you're listening to on whatever social media platform you use. You can follow the link in the show notes to find all our social media sites. You can also find our YouTube channel, and you can learn how you can support the show financially. If you would like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. And Lydia, I'm very happy and excited to tell you that someone has done just that. Woohoo! We love those. We have an email. I will read it now. It says, hi. I just wanted to let you know that your podcast is one of the best out there on the wild, wacky internet. I'm an enthusiast of classic B-movies of most genres, and one of the main reasons I really enjoy listening to you classy folks is that although you may point out a movie's shortcomings, you never mock or ridicule it. Even if a movie isn't to your liking at all, you don't tear it to shreds, but understand how much effort went into making it. Thank you very much for your great podcast, and I wish you all the best for the future. High five. P.S. Have you ever considered looking at the classic B-Westerns from the PRC? And I looked this up, and I already forgot what the PRC was. (laughs) (laughs) Especially the 1943 the 1946 Billy the Kid slash Billy Carson series starring Buster Crabb. The incomparable Al St. John as a sidekick, and most often Charles King... Or uh, Stanford Jolly as the villain of the episode. In my humble opinion, they're great fun and still hold up well for those who, for those of us who enjoy B westerns that have a certain gleam in the eye. Yours, Michael R. Oh. Michael, thank you so much. Those That's incredibly awesome. kind words. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Thanks for noticing that we try not to just rag on stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah, we do appreciate that. Um, and I did look into some of these westerns, and they are, I think are all in public domain. So we may have to uh, dive in and and check some of those out. We've strangely talked about so very few Westerns on the show, and the ones we have talked about, we ended up not really caring for as a rule. (laughs) So hopefully... The ones we're looking at are very old, and they're before that kind of Western... What's the word I want? Like that, that... recipe that they started to follow at some point that really kind of telltale recipe they're we not the that... saturday matinee westerns no no and we did that one that really old john wayne one where we had a lot of fun noticing what what color he was wearing right yes <laughs> when he was super young i think the ones we've seen have been really interesting but they, it's it's hard to anyway yeah i it's not that we've disliked them. It's that they've just made them so much better since then. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I would kind of like, these sound like the really good, like uh, lower budget uh, B pictures that just, they needed 
a second film on the bill kind of. Yeah. And those are the kind of the Westerns that were like the really popular stuff through the forties and fifties. You know, those, mm-hmm. those are the Westerns that the, uh, the kids would watch and then spend all weekend running around in their chaps and cowboy hat <laughs> with their cat pistol. And yeah. yeah. So I, I would actually like to check some of those out. So I'm glad he brought those to our attention because mm-hmm. we will definitely look into some of those. Absolutely. Plus, I don't know if we've seen any Buster Crab yet. I'm trying to think if we've done any films that Buster Crab has appeared. I want to say we might have. <laughs> I, I would firmly agree we might have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking, was he in that high voltage? Was that Buster Crab? That was someone else. I don't oh, remember. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> I, that's part of it is, you know, we go through in... Uh, we go through and we see so many different things. It's been 10 years. Yeah. And so we'll go, oh, this person looks so familiar. And then we go, were they in something before already? <laughs> were oh, they I, in something besides Flash Gordon? <laughs> yeah. Yes, I, I definitely rely on the fact that I use the same browser. And so I'm looking up information about one movie. Like I go to the wiki page or IMDb and I see that this link is like, oh, you visited this one before color? Uh, yes. <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay. Where, where have we seen that? Oh, in that film. Gotcha. Uh, well, with that, um, we are all out of five-minute mysteries, but... We can take a short break and we can listen to an Ellery Queen Minute Mystery. And when we return, we fly the not-so-friendly skies as we spend 13 hours by air. Ellery Queen's Minute Mysteries. This is Ellery Queen with a case I call the Bad Man's Bad Man. The descendant of a famous western cattle baron tried to sue a writer for using his grandfather's name in a story. The plot was so close to an episode that happened in real life, the descendant was suing for libel. In the story, the villain stops a cattle drive by setting up barbed wire. When I asked the descendant when his grandfather died, he told me, in 1870. Then you have no case, I told him. And in a moment, I'll tell you why. If you like small town mystery, crazy news, and wild history, then the Florida Men on Florida Man podcast is for you. Each week, Josh Mills and Wayne McCarty bring you the absolute best Florida has to offer. So if you're looking for a show that's safe for the family, but funny enough to help you escape everyday life, then listen to the Florida Men on Florida Man podcast. That's Florida Men, plural, on Florida Man podcast. In the case of the bad man's bad man, the descendant said his grandfather died in 1870. Barbed wire wasn't invented until four years after that, so there couldn't be any libel intended. Listen again to Ellery Queen's Minute Mysteries. 13 Hours by Air was produced by Paramount Pictures and directed by Michael Leeson under the title 20 Hours by Air. The studio retitled the film before release due to recent exploits from numerous pilots who had made similar cross-country flights depicted in the movie in times closer to the 13 hours. It was based on the novel... Wild Wings by Bogart Rogers and Frank Daisy. Rogers also co-wrote the screenplay along with Kenton Nicholson. The film is sometimes credited as being a forerunner to the disaster film genre, a genre that features a character-driven ensemble cast and deals with the personal dramas and interactions that develop among the characters during an emergency. See the Poseidon Adventure, Italian Inferno, and of course 1970's Airport in its many sequels. <laughs> 
airline pilot Jack Gordon, played by Fred McMurray, is setting off on a two-week vacation when he bumps into a beautiful wannabe passenger, Felice Rollins, played by Joan Bennett. She's having a hard time with a clerk because he can't verify her identity for a check she has written for the flight. Jack says he'll vouch for her. She offers him her large diamond ring as collateral. Being known as a ladies' man, Stewardess Vi Johnson thinks that uh, Jack has met his match, and he bets her $2 that he will take Felice out for dinner that evening. Jack is sure, himself, is sure of himself until he notices a newspaper headline about a jewel robbery conducted by a beautiful blonde. Jack now sus- suspects that Felice may be the culprit. On a step over in Chicago, Jack learns instead that Felice is a wealthy socialite at odds with another passenger, Count Stefani. Jack worries that he may have a crisis involving the Count when he finds Stefani has a gun aboard. Other passengers, including Dr. Everts and Curtis Palmer, both of whom seem to be harboring their own secrets. Fred McMurray may be best known for his roles in the Disney films The Absent-Minded Professor and its sequel Son of Flubber as well as the long-running television series My Three Sons. He also starred in the 1944 film Double Indemnity, a film that many credit with setting the standard for the noir genre. He began his career as a singer. McMurray recorded with the Gus Arnhem Orchestra on All I Want Is Just One Girl on the Victor label in 1930, and with George Olson in I'm in the Market for You and After a Million Dreams. He found his way to Broadway and appeared alongside Sidney Greenstreet and Three's a Crowd and Bob Hope and Roberta. He signed with Paramount in 1934 and worked with film directors Billy Wilder and Preston Sturgis, along with actors Barbara Stanwyck, Henry Fonda, Humphrey Bogart, Marlene Dietrich, and in seven films, Claudette Colbert. Or Colbert. She's probably Colbert. It's Colbert, I think. <laughs> I- is it Colbert? I thought it was Claudette Col- Oh, maybe. <laughs> well, I know, I know it's Stephen Colbert, but the rest of his family's Colbert. So <laughs> that's so. I've always pronounced it Claudette Colbert, but uh, I don't know that I've ever heard it said out loud. He also uh, co-starred with Catherine Hepburn, Joan Crawford, and in four films, Carol Lombard. McMurray became one of the film industry's highest-paid actors of the period. In 1943, his annual salary had reached $420,000, making him the highest-paid actor in Hollywood and the fourth-highest-paid person in the nation. Wow. From 1960 to 1972, he starred in My Three Sons. Using his star power clout, McMurray had a provision in his My Three Sons contract that all his scenes on that series were to be shot in two separate month-long production blocks and filmed first. That condensed performance schedule provided him more free time to pursue his work in films, maintain his ranch in Northern California, and enjoy his favorite pastime, golf. A fun bit of trivia... 1939, artist C.C. Beck used McMurray as the initial model for the superhero character who became Fawcett Comics' Captain Marvel. Oh, now I can now known as that. Shazam. That is so funny. I can totally see that. Uh, absolutely. Once you know, once you hear that little bit of trivia, mm-hmm. and you see some of the old artwork, you're like, absolutely. Never see it again. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't mention the Shaggy Dog. That was the first thing that popped into my head. Every time I hear Fred McMurray, I think of the Shaggy Dog. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I did see that one came up. The first, the, but the 
first one that I can think of is the Flubber movies. <laughs> I, I think maybe it depends on what you saw first when you were a kid, because I don't even remember seeing Flubber. I'm sure that I have. I just don't remember much about it. We spoke about Joan Bennett when we covered her incredible performance in Scarlet Street back in July of 2021. So please go dig that episode up and have a listen. And do watch that movie as well. It's available on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com slash at Orphan Entertainment. And that's all the little background I have. This is the uh, second time we've taken to the, we've taken flight in one of our movies in a while. Back in August, we were aboard a plane for a while in Sinners in Paradise. I enjoyed this flight a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there was it has some interesting points. The only other person that I I looked into and I thought was a little bit interesting seeing his history was uh, pl- the actor who played the part of Waldemar Pitt the third the most irritating child alive and uh and I looked into him just out of curiosity and it turns out he was fairly prolific for about 20 years in Hollywood yes Uh, but apparently he was a a piano prodigy he was just an excellent pianist as a as an eight-year-old he was cast in uh in a film as a, a pianist which is pretty crazy when you see him in this part but he it turned out when i looked into it it turned out he did uh, we we've talked a little bit about the bowery boys boys in the past and it turns out he was in a whole slew of their movies as a kid or as a guy mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and benny bartlett is the name of the actor and now i'm like really curious to see where this because he was only this was only his second year acting in Hollywood when he made this movie. And I'm really interested to see what part he played as Butch in all the Bowery Boy films. Because he may not have even been a very main part, but he was in so many of them that I'm really curious to see I, now. I did see that, and I saw that he was in a bunch of those. And apparently in some films, there are some films where he's there, and he has no lines whatsoever. Oh, interesting. And, and then he, he had a bit part in Rear Window. Which is yes. also, yeah. yeah, really interesting to see. Uh, and a, a few other, you know, movies you'd recognize but would probably not have picked out this character. Yeah, and I think if I if I remember, if I read, if I'm thinking of the same person when I was doing, you know, the little bit of research and everything, I think in the end he eventually retired from acting and went into real estate. <laughs> it's really, I mean, he would have only been about 28, 29 when he did, I, if right. I'm doing my math correctly, because he went from 1935 to 1955. And so either he just wasn't making enough in these bit parts and decided to move to something else, or he just found he, a real passion for real estate, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just a case that you get stuck in the Bowery Boys. You're always a Bowery Boy. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe it was just enough notoriety that he could find clients easily. The other person that I really enjoy in this movie that isn't really headlining in it is the uh, the first stewardess on the first flight, Vi Johnson is the name of the character, played by Ruth Donnelly. I don't know that I would rec- – I don't know that I recognize her from anything else, but her character is so – just she's just one of those women that's just like just real straightforward and a little cheeky mm-hmm. but you just want to hang out with her she's her character's so fun i was very sorry when she we lost her in chicago yeah yeah <laughs> and she's who uh gordon makes the bet with that he's gonna you know take felice out to dinner 
it, which is really funny. I missed it the first time around. I thought he had bet with another man that that was the case. And then for it to turn out to be uh, the stewardess, I was actually really thrilled to pieces. <laughs> that was just a fun character. No, I really love that uh, she just really gives him the business through the whole the whole yes. time. And I, yep. I think it's fantastic. Get wise, big fella. Girls don't fall for dashing aviators anymore. Not since they gave up helmets and goggles. Listen, Egg, I'm getting a little tired of wisecracks. Everybody on this airline seems to think that the minute a good-looking gal comes along, I'm going to rush up and bite her in the neck. <laughs> well, it has happened. What did you hear about that? Well, anyway, that was seven years ago. In the prime of your biting career. Now, listen, I... I know. Don't tell me. You did it just for a gag. <laughs> well, sonny boy, don't say I never helped you. Her name is Rollins. Police Rollins. I've never known a girl named Felice. No. You thought all girls were named Goldie or Gussie or Trixie. And what do you think I am? Come, come now. Let's not spoil a present friendship. Anyway, Goldie or Trixie or Felice are all dames. Sure, only this one's the metal type. All right, wise guy. Two bucks is saying I take Laurelis to dinner tonight in San Francisco. Real dough? Yeah, real dough. Sold. And everybody heckles him, but yes. she's got she's got his number. Oh, <laughs> like, absolutely. He can't get anything past her. <laughs> This movie has some cracker lines in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and there's some early on, especially, when it's kind of all <laughs> doing the setup and everything's a little bit more of the humorous. And But I like that they set him up as this real, um, I mean... Lothario? Flyboy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A girl yeah. in every a girl in every city. Yeah. In every yep, in every a girl in every city, just like Harold Hill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Of course, uh, we meet Trixie out on the tarmac, and she's like, "Oh, last time I saw this guy, he was standing on a table doing a fan dance." Yeah, <laughs> I, and I love that Vi early on says, "You think every girl's name is Blondie or something or <laughs> Trixie?" And then later, there's really a Trixie. Yeah, there is actually a Trixie. Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah. So she's really got to suffer. Yeah, absolutely. No, she was fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. Great, great little actress. A great, great part in this film. I love and I love the and I won't give it away, but the end where they pull her back in just for that last little line, that one <laughs> final is just perfect. So uh, without without giving anything away, there she's she's worth sticking around for the end to the end of the film for. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. There's another great line that I like early on again with uh, Fred McMurray uh, when he's first meets uh, Felice. Mm-hmm. You know, she uh, she's just got in from Europe. She doesn't have all her identification for some reason. Mm-hmm. So she can't prove she is who she is when she's trying to write this check. And the guy at the clerk, you know, doesn't want to take the check. And uh, Jack Gordon comes. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for you. And the clerk says, all right, here, sign this. And he goes and starts signing it. And and Fleece is like, I, I really hate to bother. You know, if, if I wasn't in an emergency, I wouldn't bother you and I wouldn't have you go to this trouble and you're like oh it's no problem it's a not a very long name it's a short name yeah <laughs> that whole interaction is pretty funny and then after she walks away then he says something about her and the the clerk says something about her and he says yeah i don't know but i hope to get to know her or something like that and mm-hmm. the clerk's like what you don't know her <laughs> and he's like oh man <laughs> oh yeah it's there's a lot of there's the there's not too long of a mystery about her by the time they get to Chicago, which is the first leg. Yeah. There's this, I love the 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 bit that really explains who she is because he's 
kind of, you know, he's gotten the idea that she might be this jewel thief because this diamond ring that he's now pocketed from her. Um, and, uh, and, and she's, you know, basically saying, Hey, leave me alone. What's the deal? Like, leave me alone. And he's like, no, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And then at some point, you know, she says, what do you think is going on? And he hands her a newspaper that says daring jewel heist. And I love what she says. She says, she says, that's what you think is going on. And he's like, yeah. That's, she goes, that's who you think I am. And he says, yeah. And I still think that's who you are. And she says, I'm not that girl. I'm this girl. And she flips to another page in the newspaper. And their largest life is her photo. I just love her intonation on that line, though. It's She just is like, her. I feel like I'm really stammering a lot this episode, guys. I apologize. <laughs> Been a long week. But, um, but I, I love her tone of voice and just how she switches from being very very suspicious of this random guy that says he's a pilot <laughs> that says he's the senior pilot to all of a sudden being like okay now i get what's going on you think i'm somebody different uh, and I, pr- I appreciate they resolve like they kind of resolve that pretty quickly and it seems like oh okay end of the movie but this movie just clips right along. There is something happening constantly. And some of it is a small child whom you want to strangle. And mm. some of it is, <laughs> is some of it is eventually actual action and drama, which totally took me like by surprise. Um, I'm, as we're watching this movie and as you're kind of introduced to different people coming along, we, when Vi leaves the team then you get introduced to, um, to Anne and uh, Freddie. Freddie. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then you're like, as you mentioned, you're introduced to Dr. Everts and you're introduced to Count Stefani, which is, <laughs> <laughs> you know, still in, still in Chicago, by the way, we're still in Chicago and you're introduced to all these different characters. And, and, as, and as soon as you're introduced to Waldemar, you just know this is the child that's going to be the bane of everybody's existence. <laughs> yeah. and I've, what I found interesting about Waldemar is that okay. and all of you with kids, just turn off your ears for a second. <laughs> I kind of just assumed that kids in the old days behaved themselves. <laughs> yeah, well, this was the rich, spoiled kid. Oh, this child is... The most spoiled. Oh, and gosh, ah, he's a- accompanied by Miss Harkins. Mm-hmm. And if Miss Harkins had a middle name, it would probably be useless. Um, <laughs> but yeah. oh, this lady, she's just she's just the woman that you just don't want on your flight. <laughs> well, no, this couple, this woman and this kid, this is like the this is your nightmare scenario. Oh, they're, they're, he's the kid that was behind me on that thirteen hour flight from Japan that one time, mm-hmm. and you're just going, oh. Ah, <laughs> but but it it's I it's it's humorous, even for a person that uh, is not as well versed in handling uh, excitable children as I am not as well versed in it. It it is it's funny because you get it. Like this kid is running wild and running amok, but even his character has a bit of a twist at one point, and I really appreciated that every almost every person in this isn't who you think they are i mean basically anybody that's not part of the staff of the airplane could be somebody else yeah and and that's part of the interest to it is it keeps it keeps you guessing you know as soon as you think you figured out who somebody is oh nope actually 
they might be this person instead. And it's, uh, it's, it, I, I hate to use the word entertaining again, but it really keeps your, it really keeps it moving. It really keeps you engaged. I was going to say, it really keeps you on your toes because you, you think this whole thing is going to be a romance building between Jack and, and Felice. Yes. And then it's this, oh, okay, is she or isn't she the the, the jewel thief? Mm-hmm. And then it moves into, uh, okay, well, why is she really trying to get to San Francisco? And what's mm-hmm. her connection with Count Stefani? And then it goes into this, uh, oh. Is the weather going to, are they going to make it through the weather? They're going to through the weather. And then it's, oh my gosh, somebody dangerous is on the plane. Right. What? <laughs> <laughs> And then there's a moment where, and I don't want to give too much away, there's a moment where somebody gets shot and the reaction that one of the characters has, as I'm watching it, I thought, oh my gosh, this went so dark so fast. Yes. (laughs) Like, I just... I I was a little scared about that, actually. I, I was too. I thought, oh, oh, wow, this was a total bait and switch. Right. But they bring it around. I was so surprised that they brought it around and they did it efficiently or effectively. Yeah, this is, and I think it's truly, yes, it should be credited as kind of like the forerunner to the uh, disaster film. Cause that's exactly the kind of melodrama sort of stuff that you get in a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. Oh, where, it is. Uh, if you've ever watched actually 1970s airport or any of its sequels, I mean, honestly, this could be, this is like airport 1938 or whatever. Airport or airplane? Airport. Oh, okay. okay. Airplane, airplane's the spoof. I keep thinking airplane when you're saying airport. No, the I gotta airport. Write another, I gotta write another title down to watch. Dang it, Christopher. <laughs> yeah, airport from 1970s, big, you know, the plane disaster, hijack, uh, the whole, that whole nine yards. And yes, this is, this, this story is airport 1936. off topic i've been watching 1883 don't know if any of you guys are watching that i've been calling it oregon trail the murphy's law edition (laughs) (laughs) everything that can go wrong will but yeah Yeah. no this is totally this uh, that's a great description for this airport the 1936 edition because there's not there's not the same dark drama that you get from the 1970s there's some lightheartedness but then once it does go into the dramatic pieces like it's very dramatic yeah. uh, <laughs> huh so this that's a great analogy i think <laughs> it's yeah. so funny i i was watching this movie i was watching it for the second time today actually and as i was watching it kind of taking my notes i thought i mean i thought yeah, this is just this is actually a much better movie than I thought it was the first time I watched it. There's it's an entertaining film. I I actually found it. I really got a kick out of it almost immediately when I when I started watching it the first time because I was I was really taken by the humor mm-hmm. and the uh, and the delivery and the the acting of certainly of our our two leads mm-hmm. and. I'm happy, you know, watching it again. I was watching it uh, this evening before we recorded it. And even watching it a second time, even knowing the lines were coming, even knowing who was in the film and everything, I still find myself sitting there kind of chuckling at it as it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think Fred McMurray, when I think Fred McMurray, I immediately think Dad from the Shaggy Dog. And, you know, Mr. Rogers' sweater and pipe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, and then, and I just don't, 
knee-jerk think of him as a romantic lead because that's not my first exposure to him. Obviously, he's much younger in this movie. But and then Joan Bennett, it's funny. It's hard to qualify her. Um, she's, I think, phenomenally engaging to watch. She's hard to look away from when she's on the screen, even when she's not doing anything. No, even absolutely. When there's a moment where he, I think he sits down in the seat next to her, like across the aisle from her, and she kind of looks at him and just pulls her collar up and turns away. And even something as simple as that, and, and I'm aware I'm gushing a little bit, but it's just it, nobody else has that kind of draw in this movie and it's funny because you would think (laughs) here you go for the gamers you'd think like she's kind of op for him like she's overpowered (laughs) she's overpowering on him like she's got way way she's way out of his league but actually then as they you know bring his character his quirks let's call it his uh his penchant for beautiful women and and (laughs) they start to explain who she is. And then I love the point where she, she has just cracked up realizing he thinks she's a jewel thief. And then she looks at him a minute later and she goes, you're actually really a nice person. (laughs) Cause this whole time she's, I would use an old term here, but this whole time she's thought he's just a masher. Like she's like, you know, stop breathing down my neck, creepy man. But, um, but then when you figure out, okay, yeah, he is, he's the player, but with the heart of gold. And it begins to work out, oh, they're both actually pretty decent people. And they both have had their flings. I love, uh, he starts to read from the newspaper. Oh, it says here that you hit a Russian count over the head in a nightclub <laughs> in Paris. And she says, yeah, I read all that and walks away. <laughs> I, I already read all that and walks away. And I love because I had to back it up and, to catch it. Because at first I thought she said, oh, yeah, I did all that. But she just says, I read all that. But it's so funny. She's She experienced it. So they, it turns out the more you see them together, the more they make sense together. And I found it really enjoyable. It, it, a pairing I definitely thought was not going to work when they first were on screen together. Not because there was no chemistry, but just because I thought, oh, yeah, no, no, she's out of his league. Right. But then as it, as it plays through, it makes more sense. Well, you come in with some preconceived notions just because of where you know the the actors from and mm-hmm. you can't imagine them in there together. You can't imagine Joan Bennett in a Disney film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, not a late Disney film for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing after like 1940. Did Disney do films in 1940? I'm going to get shot. No, I don't think so. Card away. <laughs> uh, Joan, Joan Bennett is just, you're right. Uh, she is magnetic. Uh, if she's yes. on the screen, you're looking at her. If she's <laughs> yeah. talking, you're listening to her. Absolutely. And, and I mean, based on what we already said about the previous movie we watched with her in it, I mean, I think at the time even we were saying, oh, God, we got to watch more Joan Bennett because in Scarlet Street, she was just so gripping. Mm-hmm. And and I'm happy we've run across her again because I would love to see again more of her things. Well, and it's really nice too because in Scarlet Street she ends up being a really horrible person. Yes. And, and she's just absolutely endearing and lovely in this. Oh, she's so great in this. Yeah. Really, really enjoy her. It's and yeah. it's so funny. It's like comedians, you know, the best dramatic actors seem to be comedians. And it's kind of it's kind of funny. You have a the most pleasant person 
you know, she was convincing as a horrible, horrible person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe I don't know which way that goes, but we'll just count it as some exceptional acting on her part. Yes. Yeah, let's do. <laughs> yeah, so the acting is just really good. And I, there is some maybe um, some little bit more of corny moments, I think, with uh, some of the acting with some of the supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are definitely not the same level as Fred McMurray and Joan Bennett. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get down to like uh, the Dr. Everts and um, even Count Stefani and uh, well, what was his name? The other uh, passenger that I mentioned, Palmer. Palmer, yeah. Yeah, they are little scenery chewing a little <laughs> bit, certainly compared to McMurray and Bennett. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, there's, I think, a little <sighs> stage level acting done. How they coming, Doc? Everything seems pleasant, thanks. Did you say your office was in New York City? Yes. I used to know about a Dr. Everts on Madison Avenue. You the same one? I never had an office on Madison. I just wondered. But it, I didn't find it so distracting that it made anything unwatchable or No, no, absolutely. No, it wasn't terribly distracting or anything. It's just, maybe it's just one of those cases where when you've got someone as good as McMurray and Bennett kind of leading the charge, mm. if you're not up to that level, it just stands out that much more. Mm, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Yeah, there's a, a moment where... Uh, Gordon is trying to land the plane to ditch the plane. And, um, and actually I I was really impressed with how they captured his emotion at the moment. Um, and it, it actually really made me appreciate him as an actor in a way that I hadn't before. I felt like, cause there was enough subtlety, but definitely anxiety being shown. Mm -hmm. And then it switched over to Freddie and he also looked anxious, but he also kind of looked like he was doing exactly what, Gordon was doing and it was kind of like well <laughs> there it was a little it, it was it's an interesting moment oh there's a moment though that I loved in it where they're flying and they're in a snowstorm and uh he opens the window in a plane I love this I love this because it's real because <laughs> yeah. they really would have had to do this he opens the window in the plane and reaches around to clear the windshield I, yes. I just thought man you don't see that happen anymore <laughs> no well I mean, no you know, you, those are the kind of things you can do when you're flying at 10,000 feet or <laughs> lower small, yes and a small plane like this you couldn't do that on a 747 no. you barely clear the side window if at all but no I it, but I, I like you know that's some of the joy of watching these older movies movies is you get to see things that you go, oh man, that doesn't happen anymore. That just doesn't no. happen anymore. That is another highlight of this film for me is just seeing an airline in 1936. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Seeing airports and how they how they um how they were. I, I, I don't think there were I'm sure there's a sort of uh Hollywoodness to everything that goes on sure. in, in a movie in this film and everything. But I do feel like this is probably a not a too far off snapshot of what air travel was like in the late 30s. 
Oh, and I love it. You buy your ticket and then you walk out to the plane. Yeah, and, and it's I, like right outside the door. <laughs> and, and then my favorite part, well, my favorite part is they wheel, they wheel, <laughs> this isn't my favorite part, but I love they wheel the stairs up to the plane and it's three steps. <laughs> it's just three <laughs> steps. And I was like, that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> it's oh. so different. I've definitely, definitely boarded a plane out on the tarmac before. But not like that. Not like where you could actually. At one point, they the uh, <laughs> Gordon and Freddie jump. Out. I keep calling him by his last name, Jack Gordon, and Freddie jump out of the plane when they've landed, and it's like a three foot drop. Yep. <laughs> you know, you can't do that anymore. You know, you can't literally climb across the top of the wing and slide down at the way <laughs> Waldemar does. <laughs> not. I mean, for one thing, you get tackled by airport security, but for another, like you would probably fall and break your leg because it's too far to the ground. No, but I, um, it, it's. <laughs> Such a kick, because in this film, we, of course, have got smoking all over the place, in, <laughs> in the plane, in the airport. We've got people just carrying guns in and out, the in and on oh the planes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh, kids playing with, uh, like, four-inch blade knives. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sliding down the wing on a plane. <laughs> and sliding down the wing on a plane. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yeah. and like you were saying, you you buy your ticket and you walk out the door, and the plane is just it, it's just parked there, like like uh, valet parking. Oh, and I love they hand the, the ticket over and they go, okay, yeah, uh, well, why don't you take seat three over there, seat three out of eight or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> but I love that they tell them right there when they're getting on the plane which seat they're going to get. It's just yeah, everything that you've said, I totally agree too. Yeah, it's uh, it's so fun to get to see just Maybe, a snapshot. I was. Just talked to my wife when we're watching this kind of stuff, and I was like, you know, what's amazing is we're only what thirty years since the Wright brothers. At that in this movie, in this movie, right? Yeah, and there's a certain charm to what you see on this plane and how things are going and how the airports work and everything. There's a real charm to it, but but in the same token, it's like. I'm not sure I'd get onto one of these planes oh. <laughs> in 1936. And, and he he mentions it's a mail plane. I'm mean, this is a mail carrier, is my understanding of it, because he keeps well, saying. I think he's he's done the routes. He said he's been pushing passengers in mail for you know since they stopped using covered wagons. So he's just saying he's been flying a lot, and I think he's done a lot of mail routes, and he's probably done uh, mail. Uh, deliveries and stuff this was obviously i assumed that the plane is carrying mail and passengers oh it's very possible yeah i I, that was just my assumption maybe i'm maybe maybe you're right maybe i'm just over assuming (laughs) this was uh united airlines allowed them to use their name on the plane oh Uh, oh nice i didn't even catch that I'm not entirely sure they were really thinking that completely through when you, when you think <laughs> hey, about here. Everybody survives. That's oh, true. Oh, but you had God, to deal I with. Spoilered. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you have to deal with, you know, people like <laughs> Walter Moore. You have to deal with potential hijackers. Yeah. Uh, your yeah. plane may have to make an emergency landing in a snowstorm. <laughs> well, you know what they say, though. There's no such thing as bad publicity. So. <laughs> <laughs> In this particular case, <laughs> but you're, I think you're right though. In this particular case, at this particular time, the vast majority of people aren't flying. It, the, the train is what, what, what they're trying to beat. They're trying to beat the train from New York to San Francisco, the train mm-hmm. that left two days ago, by the way, you know, and, and they think they, so gosh, that's like a three day train ride from 
New York to San Francisco. Do the math on that one. I'm really interested in it. Um, <laughs> but but that's the way that most people would be traveling right now. Almost nobody's flying at this point. You've got a super, super, you know, the child of some super rich people. Right. You've got some desperate people. You know, Felice definitely falls into that category. And other than that, you know, these aren't regular run of the mill. You don't have couples going on vacation to San Francisco on this plane. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's just, there's a certain, um, I guess, like I said, charm and just Adventure. the friendliness and everything uh. of everybody <laughs> and the sort of casualness. It's all very casual. Yeah, there's not, they don't have the stand up at the front and tell you how to put the mask on. Oh my gosh, there's a moment. <laughs> the There's a moment where something happens and everybody pretty much bounces out of their seats. And I thought, <laughs> they didn't have seatbelts. There were no seatbelts. The, well, the, the stewardess is standing at the back of the plane yeah, while They weren't all of this wearing them at on. the time. They apparently did have belts because when they took off, it was company rule. You had to belt yourself in because oh, uh, okay. Mrs. Miss Harkins didn't was a little nervous about being strapped in. Yeah, but not when you're landing, apparently. <laughs> oh, and I thought, oh my goodness. Like, and, and, you know, when we looked at Sinners in Paradise, like, you know, I know we posted uh, the schematic, and that wasn't a schematic, but it was like a cutaway of the plane from that, that, right. that model of plane. And it had like a sitting area and it had, you know, full-on beds it had bunks oh yeah it was a much larger plane yeah this is not that kind of plane and so uh but but at that time they pretty much just had you know like lawn chair not lawn chairs but you know like uh just kind of what's the word i believe were club chairs Mm -hmm. in some of these planes at least during the era of centers in paradise so to even uh, this is just a very very different kind of plane than we've seen before so uh, so let me repeat one more time. It's entertaining to see this plane in this era. Yes. <laughs> it really is. It's actually, I think that was um, probably at least good. good half of my enjoyment of this film was just seeing the sort of portrayal of the actual mm-hmm. day-to-day of the airport and the airplane. In a, in a, yeah, what was intended to be presumably a realistic portrayal of it. Speaking of the, air, the airports, you know, they're, they're visiting uh, several airports <laughs> they get to the one airport. I think it might be in Omaha, but they they show the 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 desk, and I sat there. My wife was sitting there, and I look at this. I'm like, "That's the coolest clock I've ever seen." <laughs> they have a giant wall clock behind the desk, and the thing it uses like a a plane prop as the second hand as it turns. Nice, <laughs> and it looks like a big. It looks just like a giant. Uh, a prop uh, plane engine on the, uh-huh. mounted on the wall. Like, yeah. that is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> well, I know what to get you for Christmas this year, then. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just thought that was very cool. It you is. Know, the, the, seeing the airports are just awesome. And just these, you know, they have to make these little these short layovers just to refuel the plane. They're only here for 20 minutes, and yeah. they're going in and running in and getting, you know, toast Ooh, and coffee and that sort of stuff. And it's I've, like, God, that's just, it's so interesting. What it was really funny to me, because there is that moment when they, you know, go to the, the, I don't know, restaurant, cafe, whatever it is in there. What was really funny to me is it felt exactly like half of the restaurants I've been in in airports within the last two years. 
like it just you got the windows looking outside you got the booths and you've got you know people asking hey i gotta hurry i got a flight to get back on i don't know it just it was what was interesting to me about it almost was the most interesting thing about that was that it hadn't changed at all and and i think in a setting where so much else is different it's it jumped out at me as being like oh gosh yeah this is exactly like it still is now the restaurant industry at airports hasn't changed at all (laughs) (laughs) you can still get eggs and and ham and you can still get toast and rubbery pancakes (laughs) you're right (laughs) oh hello dearie you staying over tonight well you don't have to look so huffy the last time you were here we went uh, around toast and coffee for two please Oh. Uh, ham and eggs or wheat cakes and maple syrup? Oh, I wouldn't have the cakes. They're leathery this morning. And besides, it ain't real maple syrup. You'll just send it back. Everybody does. Coffee and toast, please. Uh, and yours? Ham and eggs over easy. Ham and over easy, a stack. Yeah, and it's not real maple syrup. You're just going to send it back. Everybody does. <laughs> I mean, pretty much, right? <laughs> Except nobody sends food back anymore. Not, not at airports. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I was also thinking, too, they know they're only there for 20 minutes, and yet they're thinking they have enough time to go in the, to the, and get something from the cafe. I was like, mm-hmm. God, how good of a, and quick of a service must that cafe have? I mean, quick. Also, the pancakes are pre-made, which is why they're rubbery. So. Ah, good point. I mean, yep. that's my guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an egg only takes two or three minutes to fry. Yeah, toast, same. Yeah, yeah good I mean, point. Yeah. yeah, they're not doing pot roast. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, and it, it isn't it so great we're talking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't feel like there's anybody in this movie that's wasted. Every character makes sense, and it seems like every character has at least some valuable line to add. Uh, it, it's there's there's so little negative to say about this movie there are you know you mentioned one one thing about the some over some background overacting um there there's a a fight scene that for me went on i thought a little too long um but other than that there's just there's so little to complain about in this movie it's they didn't try and do anything different with it they aren't trying to break any rules or invent anything new you get your standard camera shots with everything it there it doesn't lack for that no no it like we were saying earlier it's got some crackerjack lines it's got snappy dialogue the pace is fantastic you are never bored mm-hmm. um you meet characters and you think uh why are they here? Well, there's a reason. There is a reason. There <laughs> you gotta, is. You got to stick with them, and there's a reason. You're right. There's there is nothing wasted in this film. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's really impressive. I, it's just whenever I watch a film and it's just that good, that well directed, and that well written, and mm-hmm. then to have those lines delivered as well as they are mm-hmm. by most of the people in the cast, anyway, mm-hmm. it's just. Yeah, it just makes it so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a tight little movie. Like it's it's very that's like the right word for it. It's like put together tightly. <laughs> There's no loose wobbly bits on it. Yeah, yeah, no, and and it moves along quick. It's not a terribly long movie. No, is it only an hour and seven minutes? It was something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now we're digging a look. <laughs> yeah, I was just double checking. How long was it? <laughs> 77 yeah. minutes. 
So an hour and, hour and 17 minutes. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, it just moves right along. You get where you're going. You get to San Francisco really quick. <laughs> <laughs> In 13 hours. Right. So, <laughs> which is actually kind of funny. Okay. <laughs> Let's not, I won't pick apart the timeline too much here. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I think, gosh, anything else? And I think we're going to start repeating yourself. Yes. <laughs> I think I'll start repeating you more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I think we will just start repeating ourselves. <laughs> so we'll move to ratings. Yeah. Uh, I I can't bring myself to give it like a five. I really enjoyed it and I liked it, but five just feels like those that, that should be reserved for like the movies that totally blow you away. Mm, but fair. absolutely a strong four for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it's just, it's so much fun. It's a fun movie. It's a movie that I could easily f- see myself... I just want something kind of fun to put on in the background and, and, and chuckle at a couple of lines. This is a great one to go for. Mm-hmm. So I could definitely see myself watching it again just because, mm-hmm. because I like the people that are in it. I like the events that happen. I like the, uh, I like Joan Bennett. <laughs> I'll be honest, <laughs> a little bit of a crush on Joan Bennett in this film. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. There, so one thing to be aware of if you haven't watched this movie yet, um, there there don't seem to be any really good clean versions of it out there. I know, uh, Christopher, you work really hard to get the cleanest version you can find up on Orphan Entertainment's YouTube site. Um, so there's not a super clean version of it. Uh, I, and I, I'm a little sad about this. I was thinking as you were giving your rating, is this a movie that I would tell somebody that says, well, I don't like black and white films. Well, this is the movie that you should watch. <sighs> I'm so tempted to say it is, but oh, I'm, I'm kind of with you on it. Like, it, it, you know, it's, it's not a bad introduction to black and white films because it's short. It moves so quickly. It's highly entertaining. There's nothing wasted. I think you're right. Like, it's hard to give it five because it's not doing anything unique or blowing you away that way but honestly if you're if you're telling somebody hey you know what you want to watch a fairly quick black and white film to to dip your toes in this is a strong recommendation um he i hadn't read that this is considered a a precursor to some of those disaster films but having heard that i think that's a great analogy to use to get somebody interested in it um yeah. Oh, you, oh, yeah. If you know that they're fans of like the airport films, oh, did you have to say, "Oh, well, did you, have you seen Airport 36? <laughs> yeah. yeah. They call it something else technically, but uh, yeah. that was the working title. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I think if, if for me, 100% four is an it's an easy four, and yes. I'm just tossing back and forth. Would I go to four and a half? Would I go to five? <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I really want to, and. uh uh, I and I and I. Gosh, am I allowed to give half an ozel? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we have before. I want to give it four and a half. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you can easily argue argue that it's worthy of it because yeah. it is just a fun film to watch. I think I'll stick with a four. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just don't want to mislead anybody by my own personal bias. But I mean, but gosh, what is this really? What is this rating system anyway? It's completely personal right. bias. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. But, 
But even with it being a four, it's a, it's a strong, yes, you should watch this movie. If you even remotely like black and white films, if you enjoy historical information, if you like seeing a phenomenal actress on the screen, uh, and if you would like to see the dad from The Shaggy Dog as a love interest, if that was your, your thing that you kind of were like, Walt Disney, you, you picked up the right guy. You know, <laughs> this is a really good option. So, yeah, I guess we'll go fours all around, but um, four with a strong bias toward, uh, strong bias in favor of it. I think it's kind of funny. It, you keep going to the dead from Shaggy Dog. I probably saw Fred McMurray <laughs> first watching My Three Sons reruns. Mm. And I didn't, re- I didn't know this when I was watching those when I was a kid, but reading, apparently he was an aeronautical engineer. You're kidding. Well, gosh, <laughs> so that's you why go. he's so If you want to know what the dad from My Three Sons did before <laughs> in his younger days. <laughs> watch this movie. Watch 13 Hours by Air. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, so uh, go check out 13 Hours by Air. Like uh, Liddy was saying, it is on our YouTube channel, available for you to watch completely free. And I don't think there'll be even be any ads or anything. So you're... You, you got all you you need. Um, let us know what you think of the film. See if you've enjoyed it as much as Lydia and I have. Yeah, send us an email just like Michael R. did and uh, and let us know what you thought. Or, as I said before, follow the, the link in the show notes to all the social media platforms and you can comment there. I think that will do it for this episode. Lydia, this has been a really fun one. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I, we, I feel like we need to maybe put up a best of or a like critics choice page or something just to help people <laughs> easily get to the ones that we're just saying, hey, you know what? These are the ones we really recommend going back and watching. Oh, that's not a bad idea. I tell you what, we should go to our website. I'm talking to you, Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> and and go through and um, of, uh, of the films that we've talked about, Give me like a top 10 list Ooh. from you. You don't have to do this right now. I don't yeah, want to do Lydia's it on air. Top 10. <laughs> oh, well, no. <laughs> Longest episode ever. Right. Well, that one was good, but ooh, this one was really good. If you want to listen to that for 60 minutes straight. <laughs> yeah, because I can actually do that. I can like even add a page to the website, and I can definitely be something that we can share on the social medias and stuff that it just are top 10 films that we of, of the last 10 years that we mm-hmm. think. Uh, everyone should should check out and then of course the first decade (laughs) yes and then of course go back and listen to our episodes because obviously those are going to be the top 10 episodes fun episodes (laughs) to listen to absolutely (laughs) although i had a lot of fun when we discussed things like santa claus conquers the martians so i think that would probably be one of my top 10 episodes well and yeah it's so the top 10 movies may not be the top 10 episodes (laughs) the movies of yeah you should definitely watch this versus yeah you should definitely listen to oh gosh we can't we'll never stop talking about um about the the the, but where the blob where the blob i just Meow. <laughs> oh my lord! So I think the, the the moment when I when you guys said yes, the blob ate the kitten, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's probably worth revisiting. <laughs> yeah. 
Excellent. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Again, Michael, thank you for writing in. It was very appreciative. We will check out some of these uh, Westerns in the future, so uh, hopefully you will stay tuned and you'll uh, throw in some insight and or or your thoughts on any of the films that that we come up with. Olivia, thanks again. Always a great time. Always. We'll talk to everybody in another month. Bye, all. Bye.